This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Film Studies, Friday night episode, March 15th. We're going to record this because the Ravens surprised us all and made some big moves after our last episode of Big Moves. So, Ken McCusick, how you doing? 
Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing well. And Michael, uh, second time seeing you this week. How are you? Yeah, good. Good to see you guys again. And uh, I've been talked off the ledge. There've been some big signings. There's no reason to panic in the streets anymore. <laughs> the, the Ravens did do a good job of shutting up all the negativity by by making some big moves the next day. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to talk about. So we're going to get into today, we're going to get into the Ingram sign-in and the, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the guy from Seattle. Earl Thomas. Earl, Earl Thomas. Thomas. Biggest free agent signing, perhaps in Ravens history, certainly in a long time. Right. And I can't wait to hear what you guys say about it because it's, it's both these guys, these are the two big signings. I know there's been some little stuff as well we'll go over, but both these guys are older guys that they're bringing to a team that when we talked on Tuesday, we were like, this team's really young. Now they brought in two old guys. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really good point, and one that I don't think should be lost here is that Ravens did really reverse their getting younger trend. In fact, a couple of the players they lost in free agency were younger guys. Darius Smith, C.J. Mosley, they're both younger players who, who were on the second deal. Uh, Thomas is a third deal guy now uh, who will earn a lot of money, and uh is 30 and will be 34, obviously, when the deal is done. And uh, Ingram is a 29-year-old running back, and that's, as we've talked a little bit about, is not a normal age to be acquiring a running back and, and giving him a multi-year deal. But I'm sure we'll get into some of that later. Gotcha. All right, so uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to just jump into one of these guys? Do you want to go over everything the Ravens did this week? How would you like to go? Why don't we just start with Earl Thomas, if, if, if that's good. All right. All right, is he the next Ed Reed or the best thing in the NFL compared to an Ed Reed currently? Or is I'll it like what do you I'll guys let think? Michael start. I've been talking for a while here. Yeah, I I uh I'd say he's probably um that next best thing in the league at the safety position. I don't know if you're ever going to see another playmaker like Ed. Um but so much to like about Earl. I mean, I think a lot of people will remember him from the Seattle Legion of Boom days. Everybody knew him. They knew Cam Chancellor. They knew Richard Sherman and whoever the the other cornerback was <laughs> in the Legion of Boom. They kind of rotated that guy every couple of years. But um, great in the deep middle of the field. Um, literally erases uh, throws in the deep middle of the field. I mean, QBs actually will come off of those reads to the middle of the field when he's back there, uh, just because of the amount of ground that he's been able to cover. His anticipation um, is really something that stood out to me. Like just the break and the jump that he's able to get on throws um, is just really, really special. You just don't see that uh, pretty often uh, or very often from from safeties. And he he makes plays now. I don't want to undersell him. I, like I said, he's he's not Ed Reed, but certainly makes his fair share of plays in terms of interceptions, um, just jumping in front of balls and picking them off himself, catching tips and overthrows, picking up fumbles, forcing fumbles. Um, it was interesting though to me is if you look at the last couple of years of Seattle, I think those early years, everybody kind of thinks about him being that guy back in the middle, kind of playing center field. But his last couple of years in Seattle, they really expanded his role. I mean, he was blitzing uh, from depth. He's covering running backs and tight ends, man to man. He's covering slot receivers, man to man. Um, you know, they've got him kind of in the lower underneath zones, closer to the line of scrimmage sometimes. They really sort of expanded his role there, uh, maybe out of necessity because they did lose some of those guys in the Legion of Boom. But he's a really versatile guy. Obviously, his strength maybe is, is probably playing back there on the back end, but he's really, really versatile. 
Oh, you said a lot of stuff there. I got a lot to react to already. So uh, starting with positioning, which was one of the most interesting things for me about watching some games specifically. And, and you know, I'm a how much and how often guy, and not, I don't try and use individual plays to try and say trait-based scouting and, you know, try and say, I think this guy can be this because I saw him make this play. It's how often did he play in that position. So I'm going to talk a little bit about methodology for this. This article will be out tomorrow on Russell Street Report. But uh, I watched four games from 17 and 18. And the reason I didn't just pick his four games from 2018 is that he played so well last year that I didn't think it was representative of the span of outcomes we could have with Earl Thomas. So I thought I really had to go back to 2017, even though I admit the data is probably less pertinent, to really look at other games that he had played and try and pick pick to get up to four. So the four I took, and, and you can tell me if you had some overlap with this, uh, certainly, Michael, but Tennessee in week three of 17, the Giants in week, I believe it was 11 of 17, the Falcons, I'm sorry, that's not right, it's week uh, seven for the Giants, and then week 11 for Atlanta of 2017, and then week three against Dallas in 2018, which is probably his best game of 2018 or nearly. He had a couple interceptions in that game, uh, looked really good. But I want to start with positioning because I think we can go kind of one topic at a time here. Um, there were, of the snaps that I scored there, I had 234 snaps that I looked at. And 160 times he was uh, the single high safety. The, the, the Seahawks use that positioning a, a, a ton where they're not a, lot, they're not a real heavy cover two team. Um, and then the other the other uh, positioning lined up in second most often was cover two. And then after that, in, in some form of cover three, where they had three deep safeties at the snap. That's not cover three as we talk about it as a coverage where you rotate into having three deep safeties in a zone. But, but they actually had three deep at the snap. So that's of those, that's 202 snaps out of 234 where he was a deep safety. They didn't really have much where he was playing closer to the line of scrimmage. And I, I don't mean to contradict you on that. But when they did do that, it didn't always work out so well. And I want to talk to talk uh, speak to that a little bit more uh, as we go forward here. But he played nine snaps of nickel in particular, and seven of those came in the Titans game in Week Three. And that the, the uh, Seahawks gave up three touchdowns on that on those plays with him in the nickel, including a 75-yard run where he he would have been very useful to to uh, pursue, and a 55-yard screen pass to his assignment in the nickel at the slot receiver, Matt, uh, Matthews uh, caught that against against him for the Titans. So uh, it's just interesting the way things work out. And I'm not claiming that this is the single representative set of games, but I tried to pick, you know, some that spanned uh, PFF ratings for his, his play and gave an overall uh, quality of rating that was similar to his, to his aggregate. Uh, you know, some couple good, couple bad, couple home, couple road, you know, looking at it that way. But anyway, I just, I wanted to share the methodology first. Yeah, and one of the things um, that I noticed that kind of, you know, follows on to what you were talking about, and people obviously made the comparisons to Ed Reed. And, and one way that I kind of agree with some of those comparisons is a lot like Ed, he really trusts his eyes. He mm-hmm. really trusts his eyes. And so sometimes that actually gets him out of position. Because he sees something and he reacts to it, and that's not actually where the ball is going. Yeah. Now he's wrong. He's 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 right more than he's wrong. But he has that same, you know, it's sort of that risk reward when you have really great players like that, and they're relying on their instincts and their film study. Sometimes they're going to get it wrong, but they they have certainly more hits than misses. 
I, I noticed the exact same thing. It's a great point, Michael. But he does gamble on a, on breaking on a route that he thinks is going to be the route. He's not always right, but nobody's always right, and that's okay. A lot of times a safety is in a position on the field where – um, he may he may only be able to affect one of two routes, but only if he breaks on that ball. So it doesn't it doesn't he has to gamble. He's not in a position where he can really wait and, and have no impact on either of two routes. It doesn't that doesn't help. So he may as well break on a route. And I like that from him as a gambler. I noticed it. I noticed he he was in the wrong position a lot of times with, you know, hey, that's the way it goes. It happens to all the good safeties that they they gamble. They go the wrong way. How often did we hear that about Ed Reed himself? Yeah. Yeah, and they they both played an aggressive style. You know, they they played an aggressive style. Um, you know, it was high risk, high reward. When it works, it's game changing. Sometimes game winning. You know, mm-hmm. when it works. So, and when it doesn't, um, you know, sometimes it could cost you a game. <laughs> you know, it could swing the other way sometimes too, or at least put you behind the eight ball in in terms of game situation if it doesn't outright cost you the game. So it's high risk, high reward. But I love the mentality, and I think it aligns with um, John Harbaugh. I think that whole tone sort of, you know, flows from him. He's an aggressive guy in terms of his coaching style and some of the things that he does for right or for wrong. Uh, he, he has an aggressive mindset towards it. And I think he likes that in players. I think it'll work well also with the quality of the Ravens secondary is that they have good corners. A lot of them are perfectly capable of working on an island and particularly their outside corners. I think both use the sideline pretty well. Jimmy Smith definitely does. Uh, you know, we've had others uh, over here that haven't necessarily been the greatest cornerbacks. Rashawn Melvin comes to mind as being a really good sideline defender. Uh, but but anyway, I think that, that, you know, that really helps when you've got a ball hawk in the middle of the field. And when you think about it, when you play single high, your weakness is outside the numbers. And that's, I think, the heat maps that we saw this week about where the ball was going. When when he was on the field and when he was not were very different. But a lot of that is just based on on when he plays single high, he plays right in the middle of the field a lot of the time. And that really leaves the outside. The numbers is the one place where you can easily attack the, the Seahawks defense or, or you, where you can best attack. Let me put that the Seahawks defense. And he certainly, you know, that center field single high ability certainly is going to play well and benefit the Ravens defense overall. But it might even more directly benefit Tony Jefferson by allowing Tony to play closer to the line of scrimmage more often where, you know, I think everybody who's watched him over these last couple of seasons can see that that's probably his, his, his strength is to be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage Um, man coverage on tight ends on shallower routes or backs kind of flaring out of the backfield, not to say he can't cover deep or that he can't play down the field, but I think, um, you know, he he probably would even admit, and I think he has actually admitted in in some comments that he's more comfortable playing in the box or near the line of scrimmage. And um, he's got that enforcer mentality a little bit. I mean, if you want to kind of take the comparison even further, maybe he can play a little bit more of that Cam Chancellor role. That's that's exactly uh, it. Cam Chancellor, guy, <laughs> yeah, who's over the middle of the field, and you know, he's going to set the tone, right? He's he's going to lay some licks out there, and and guys are going to think twice about running some of those routes across the middle of the field if he can be that kind of tone setter. Chancellor and, and uh, uh, Thomas played together for eight years in Seattle, and they had very defined roles uh, in the games I watched anyway. Camp Chancellor very rarely used on the back end. When he was, it was in cover two most of the time. He was the single high only a handful of times where they were playing Thomas somewhere else. It's very unusual for them to do it. They had other guys that they put in that position. I guess McDougald rotated into a single high position. They had some other guys who were back there, but they did not tend to use 
uh, anybody but Thomas in, in, as the lone deep safety. So anyway, yeah, Cam Chancellor, very similar comp. And, and I think uh, we, we stand the likelihood of seeing more defined roles at safety here with Thomas here in Baltimore. I think he's more comfortable in the back end. I see styles about how he approaches contact that really lead me to believe he's best suited to center field. Whereas Jefferson, very aggressive, physical, doesn't mind to stick his neck in there against the run player. Thomas is a little different. Thomas will make contact, but he's very judicious about it. He takes very conservative angles to the run on football. I, 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 sorry, when the football is being run uh, by a running back, he'll try and dislodge the football when it's thrown to a wide receiver. But I see much more of a... Uh, a, a cautious, not throwing his neck into the play style. Uh, I know he's, he comes with a reputation as being a physical guy. That's not exactly what I'm seeing on film in terms of, of how he throws his neck around. I think he's much more careful than that. And I think given the, the size of his contract and what the Ravens really need to get out of him as a free safety, I think that's that'd be very appropriate for a play style here. Is he automatically the guy uh, the green with the green dot? Is he now the leader of this defense, do you think? He's he's the best player on the defense, but it's not obvious to me he gets the green dot. In fact, did he I have it in for, Seattle? Uh, no, they had uh, Bobby Wagner making the calls the okay. last few years. I don't know if he ever had it in Seattle. He might have had it at some point, but uh, but in in terms of Jefferson, he'll be closer to the line of scrimmage on most plays, and it might make more sense. And then you can have uh, Thomas from his position on the back end, as Reed did, aligning the secondary okay. more. So I think there's 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 an opportunity for both of them to have very significant responsibilities, obviously, in terms of organizing the defense. But I, I would expect that Jefferson is still the more likely to carry the dot. He's also had another year in the system. Right. Two so, years, so it's almost like you've got Jefferson with the dot because he can relay the coach's commands where you're trusting uh, that Thomas can handle the backfield without without the coach in his ear that he knows what to do. Yeah. So, all right, I want to try something a little different tonight and mix in some mailbag questions as we go. And the first one up is from Jalen, who's wondering, is the Earl Thomas signing the best defensive free agent in the history of the Ravens signings? All right, I'll, I'll take a crack at that first. I mean, the Ravens have had some really great free agent signings that worked out after the fact, not just before. So if you go back, Trevor Price was a great signing. Rod Woodson was a great signing. McCrary was a great signing. Adams, Siragusa, both great signings. You know, it's a it's a long list. So for him to be the greatest, he's going to have to a- actually prove it. He He's positioned to be the biggest. Uh, you know, he could certainly contribute to a team uh, that does pretty well. And, and he comes comes with a good defensive pedigree. But all those other guys, they contributed to the 2000 Ravens defense, except for Price, who was later. Dumerville would be another guy who who helped him do a big sack year in 2014. But, uh, you know, it's it's a very competitive group that he'd be joining. But he's uh, he's certainly up there and has a chance to be that guy. And I'll I'll defer to Ken's historical perspective on this, because you probably not probably definitely are stronger in that area than I am. But on paper, it definitely has the, the chance to be that. But we got to see it play out. You know, um, sometimes you can get ahead of yourself with some of this stuff. Right. I mean, we already hear people saying the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you got to pace yourself a little bit with some of this stuff, because uh, how many teams have we seen win free agency and not win on the field? It's, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. The Browns are the favorite right now, the betting favorite right now to win the AFC North, which is shocking in its own right. <laughs> the the Browns may be the quickest team to go from a laughing stock to everyone getting on, on the bandwagon. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus wants to know, what different dynamic can you see in Earl Thomas bringing to the defense in comparison to what Eric Weddle brought? Well, Weddle, his last year in Baltimore, was not the great bracketeer that he had been in the previous two years when he had 10 picks. He didn't have any picks in his third year. Uh, he brought other things to the defense in terms of manipulating the quarterback. I think actually some of the things he had to do as a defensive signal caller actually probably hurt him a little bit in terms of his ability to cover on the back end. Uh, you know, it's one of the things I like about Jefferson carrying the green dot, if that's the way it goes, is that Earl Thomas will, will have the freedom to roam the back end and do some of the things. Ed Reed was never burdened with the green dot during his career. Uh, Lewis uh, always had it, except for a, a couple games in the 08 playoffs. So it, it's really a uh, – uh, I, I think there's value to letting Thomas be Thomas on the back end and trying to uh, use that to, to your advantage in terms of other coverage changes you would make or other uh, pass rush uh, trickery you'd like to perform up, up front. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's a great point. Um, it's it's one of those things that's kind of intangible, so it's really hard to kind of put our fingers on it sometimes. But I think when you have to relay calls to the rest of the team, you know, when you're out there on the field, how you react, it's all about processing information and how fast you can process information. And the guys who are really great players, obviously they do that at a really high level. But I think there is something that gets factored in there when you have to relay a call, get other people lined up, make any checks or adjustments, because you get a base call, right? But then Mm -hmm. oftentimes with some of these defenses nowadays, you'll get two or three calls, right? Based on the formation, they'll say, hey, if it's this, this call. If they adjust or motion this way, alter it and now get into this call. I mean, I I, I don't uh, I don't remember if I tweeted it out or not, but it was an example from Nick Saban from his defense from last year where he would he's given his guys like three calls in the huddle, you know, all based on the formation and what you see, um, you know, from the offense and how they move. So just think about that all coming into your ear, no matter how great you are, uh, mm-hmm. that that could probably have an impact on your ability to react to things as quickly as you normally would. Mm-hmm. All right, on the other side of the ball, the Ravens did make a move, and they signed Mark Ingram after his eight years with the Saints to come up here, and he said that uh, part of the reason he wanted to come to the Ravens was for Lamar Jackson. So what do you guys think of this signing? He's definitely a good pairing for Jackson. He, uh, you know, downhill running style, one cut, uh, you know, but he's definitely not an edge guy. Um, He's a 29-year-old running back with 1,549 career touches, and I don't want to overstate or understate the importance but if you want to put it in the context of you know the greatest Ravens running back of all time look back to Jamal Lewis and he was at 1550 touches in the middle of the 2005 season so as in his fifth season so it's taken Ingram a lot longer to get to the same point in terms of touches um, you know there's other indicators where he's he's certainly maintained a high yards per carry uh, for longer behind that great Saints offensive line, but uh, but I think there's also cause for concern about the about decline from where he is right now. Yeah, there there are two things that I like most about Ingram. The first thing um, is, and this is going to sound kind of like one of those Captain Obvious kind of statements, but he's just a professional NFL running back, right? He can run in a variety of blocking styles, whether that's gap or or zone, uh, and and uh, the Saints ran a variety of them. They were they were probably primarily an outside zone based game, but they ran inside zone. They ran power. They ran counter. They ran trap. Uh, you know, they did a variety of different things. 
he understands pass protection, right? I know some of the grades out there maybe don't have him as necessarily the highest rated pass protector, but he's pretty good at knowing who to block, right, in the protection. Obviously, technique and fundamentals is important, you know, the how to block a guy, but it's maybe equally as important to know who to block. And mm-hmm. obviously, when you play with a, a quarterback like Drew Brees, if you want to stay on the field, you better know how to pass protect. Um, and the second thing, and I think this this kind of plays into his age a little bit, is by all accounts, just listening to other teammates who've gone on Twitter to kind of say nice things about him um, and even some other people around the league, he seems to be a pretty strong leader uh, and locker room presence. And I look at their running back room. And it's a pretty young group of guys. Obviously, Gus is only in his second year. Kenneth Dixon is, I guess, what you'd consider a young vet, right? He's probably in, Mm -hmm. what, year three or four? Year four. Uh, Yeah, DeLance Turner, you know, some of these other guys are really young guys. And so having a veteran presence in that running back room, I think, can have uh, a bigger impact than sometimes people realize. I, I always make the analogy like my kids, right? I think about my my daughter. She's in, uh, in first grade. And uh, when they have these reading periods in class, sometimes they'll have older kids come and read with them. They have like fifth graders come, right? And somehow the information just gets conveyed differently coming from somebody who's more their peer than it does from a teacher. So the analogy with that is sometimes it come, that, that same information in football terms can be conveyed differently coming from another running back, right? Who's closer to your age than a coach. Not that coaches aren't mm-hmm. great teachers. Obviously they're important, but sometimes there's just something in the translation that you're able to kind of connect with a little bit better um, from another player, and particularly a veteran player who's been around like Ingram, uh, been around in terms of longevity. He's only been with the Saints, but in terms of longevity, uh, seen a lot of different things, had a lot of different experiences, and I think that can help when you've got a a young running back room. Yeah, I I agree. I think that probably factored into the reason why they want to sign him. Uh, He's he's not uh, at a contract level that is so high that they're – uh, you know that the, they really have to be too crazily concerned about the cap at five million per year. Uh, he's a rotational guy, though. Still, uh, so they are spending a little more money than they did on the running back position. I, I think I want to go back to what you said about him being a pass protector because I think there's a pretty good chance right now that he looks like the Ravens' third down back to me, and not Dixon. And uh, he had 154 catches from 15 to 17. If you put that together, and he's able to convince the uh, Ravens offensive coaching staff that he can pass block, then I think he becomes the the de facto, the default third down back. But a lot of that 154 receptions, I want to point out, is Drew Brees and the Saints' extremely well-developed screen game. So they they do that very well. They're, you know, it's a, it's a it's an entire offensive concept in terms of getting three offensive linemen out in front of that play. The Ravens haven't done that very well really since Ray Rice left. And, uh, and it'll be interesting to see if they can bring some of that back. Uh, you know, I, I, I do kind of trust Roman to, to, to get that going again with the, with the personnel he's gotten with, uh, uh, with the quarterback he's got, frankly, to, to get that screen game going again. I think that he could be a big part of that. Yeah, if you want to see some really cool offensive concepts, go watch some Saints film. Uh, there's a lot of young guns out there right now. Sean McVay, Shan, um, um, Kyle Shannon. Hand Jim Nagy in Chicago, but go do yourself a favor and watch some some Sean Payton. Uh, he is still absolutely one of the best at designing. Like um, I don't like to use the word easy because I don't know if there's anything easy in the NFL, but high percentage concepts mm-hmm. uh, for his guys just to get guys the ball in space, get them in positions where they can do something with it. it just 
it blew my mind like watching uh ingram just i was like man these these look like such simple concepts like you know i'd love to see the ravens kind of do some of this stuff just really easy stuff to get the guys uh involved in space but you know we'll we'll see we'll see what happens all right uh strive to be great is wondering if tevin coleman would have been a better pickup for us over ingram well he's younger um i guess i'd start there uh you got a guy who i think coleman's 26 i think um so you got a guy who's a little bit younger different kinds of players i think a little bit uh ingram is kind of more that prototypical downhill uh kind of grind it out kind of guy he he another thing that i like about him is uh, like he understands game situations, right? If you need two yards, he's going to get behind his pads and try to get those two yards. He's not going to dance. He's not going to try to bounce it outside. You know, he understands that. And I'm not saying that's what Coleman does, but I'm just saying that's kind of more indicative of uh, of Ingram's game. But Coleman, probably a little more burst, a little more juice. Uh, definitely is a, a, a very good receiver from the better, better position. receiver. Yeah. 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 I don't, I, I don't know as much about him in pass protection. Um, but yeah, just, you know, different kinds of guys with different skill sets. So kind of depends on what you were looking for. Right. And I think they maybe still might want something like that in the Ravens offense. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think it'd be nice to have that at the running back position, uh, to kind of compliment the, the guys that you have already. Um, but you know, obviously I think the combination of Ingram style and then probably that leadership, uh, might've tipped the scale a little bit for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that I would like the Ravens to have one more back who's clearly a receiver. And oftentimes that's the hard style to find in the UDFA back. So last show we talked about, could you build your whole stable around UDFAs? And I think it's it's legitimate if you're looking for running styles, if you're looking for for guys who like to run off sides, uh, sorry, outside exclusively or, or power guys in the middle. It's, of course, where they got Gus Edwards. Delance Turner probably could have been successful. With the Ravens last year, had he been around for longer and you know had more time to evolve with Jackson, um, I think that the, you know the the guy that's hard to find there is the really polished receiver who can help you in that game, and and that's where I think you know Ty Montgomery was a pretty good pickup for the Ravens, and and might not, still not be a bad signing if they uh, if they feel like they want to go back there. Yeah, and that's what I was hearing a lot today, similar to you about the leadership, about how they were saying that the character. Of, and the person of Ingram, especially when they were comparing him to a guy like Bell, is what leaned them that way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> there's there's yeah, well, there, there's a lot out there about Bell. Uh, a lot of it, you know, maybe self inflicted, uh, some other stuff, maybe you know, perception, but yeah, they they seem to be on different ends of that spectrum, right? So, what else have the Ravens been up to this week? All right, well, let's see. They, they signed today. They just signed a cornerback who's really a special teams player. He's either made two or three Pro Bowls before with Atlanta, uh, Bethel, and, uh, you know, obviously an exciting player. The other thing the Ravens did on special teams this week is they lost Jerry Rosberg to retirement. Um, and I, I have my own Rosberg story that I really want to tell because I enjoyed him as a coach as much as any other. Um, on, on the field, he's this complete firebrand. He's just absolutely talking like a sailor yelling at the players he really coaches by intimidation a lot i think on the field he may be a different guy in the classroom but when then he steps to the podium and all of a sudden he's this prof- professorial type with a very sharp wit and uh you know you really don't don't get any of the sense that he's going to curse at you or anything or even if he is upset with your question he's not going to lash back at you like other coaches have been known to do uh but i will really miss jerry rossberg and and obviously the raven special teams 
success across the board. We talked about them having problems in the return game, but they found guys even there who have been successful. And Kylan Clay led the AFC, I believe, in punt return average one year. And and uh, now Cyrus Jones has been successful. I mean, I think they've been terrifically successful at all aspects of special teams. They certainly block kicks, block punts, and they've had the wolf pack together for seven years. So uh, it, I, I'll be I'll be very sad to see him go, and I hope the next guy can pick it up. I'll miss him, too, for all of those reasons. I'll also add, when he is up there at the podium, sometimes tells some of the best stories. He doesn't do it a ton. But uh, there was one that I think he told some hunting story about a dog and a gun. And uh, you'd have to Google it. I can't I can't do it justice to tell it. But it was just a really funny kind of story. But uh, but back to back to Bethel. Um, I haven't watched him recently. I remember looking at him when the Ravens signed Tony Jefferson because they both played for the Cardinals uh, back during that time. And sort of just as you're watching film on one guy, you you know, sometimes see another guy out there. Um, I think with the Cardinals, he probably got more defensive snaps at corner. Uh, I kind of looked at him quickly uh, before we got on tonight. I don't think he played a defensive snap last year with Atlanta. No, I think it was zero. exclusively special teams. Yeah, so, um, you know, a little bit more uh, experience in that in that role with the uh, Cardinals. But one thing that was interesting, and I really want to go back and look at these. So 2015, 2016, 2017, he had one interception in each year and returned each one of them for a touchdown in each one of those years. Um, not a ton, right? We're talking about one interception per year, but pretty rare to see a guy return his only interception each season, three seasons in a row for a touchdown. And they weren't short either. One of them was like a 60 plus yarder. One of them was like a 70 plus yarder. Um, so it just kind of popped out at me just looking at the numbers. But, um, sometimes people always appreciate special teams. I, I kind of lean towards the Bill Belichick school of special teams. I love them. I mean, I actually do. When I watch film, I'm watching punt coverage. I'm watching kick, block, and kick return. It sounds like the most boring thing in the world to watch, but I love watching that stuff. And um, I had I mentioned this with somebody uh, tonight on Twitter that I'm not breaking any news here. This is pretty obvious, right? Uh, it's harder for your opponent to score the further away they are from the end zone. There you go. Right? Yeah. Special team. Play special teams plays a big factor in that, so you don't want to undersell special teams. At, at least for now, we'll we'll see how long they continue to do that. Uh, I'm glad you came back to Bethel though, because Cody gets in with a question, and when everyone's asking how this impacts Jimmy Smith, Cody's wondering how this could impact Kennedy, because there are now six corners on the team. Yeah, I I personally I don't know about Kennedy. There there is risk. Um, Kennedy is a fourth year player this year. So he's in that that spot where you're always on the bubble. Now, he, I, the difference with Kennedy is he played very well for half a season at slot corner for the Ravens in 2017 and almost helped him get into the playoffs. Uh, people will remember that last play of the season, but believe me, they wouldn't have been down at the last play of the season if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Kennedy. Uh, and I, I'm I was uh, you know disappointed, I guess I would say slightly that he didn't get more playing time. Uh, last year, more opportunity. They're rotating a lot of cornerbacks. They could have used him on the outside as well, where I think his size and length is a better fit. But uh, but you're right. I mean, Kennedy could could be the guy on the outside if the Ravens get to the end of camp. He's a fourth-year player, has very little option value left for the team, and maybe just decide that, that he's the guy on the outside. 
Yeah, that's actually a, a really interesting question, because when you started it, I was I was thinking exactly where you were going. Jim, you know, what's the impact on Jimmy Smith? That's what everybody's asking. But I didn't think about Kennedy, because to Ken's point, if you think about those guys towards the bottom of the cornerback depth chart, um, whether that's Kennedy, whether that's Hill, and then you sign a multiple time special teams pro bowler at cornerback, that guy's going to start on special teams. He's going to be on every one of your special teams. So that cornerback spot, uh, it's it's interesting. I, I obviously, I don't know that they're going to be able to keep uh, Kennedy and or Peel. I think one of those two guys, there's going to be a decision to make there because Bethel's going to play on special teams in that cornerback role. Yeah, I, I assume he's got guaranteed money in his deal given who he is. And I was I was trying to find because I saw an excellent question. I thought it was about Kennedy from uh, from one of the guys on Twitter, but you may have just you may have just caught it here. It's definitely one I wanted to make sure it was included yeah. in the show. Yeah, okay. I think that's the one we just went over. Uh, I do want to get get this last question now. The mailbag from Tony, who's wondering, uh, what do you see as a bigger need at the moment, inside or outside linebacker? And I think we should just expand that question to. After insider outside linebacker, what is open on this team that we need to go after in free agency or draft? What's what are we looking for? Okay, why don't we take one position each here? I, I'll go ahead and say I still want the Ravens to sign an inside linebacker. I'll let uh, let Michael handle the pass rush and whatnot. But the inside linebacker position, I'm I'm still feeling very strongly about the need to keep the weak side linebacker platoon together. I don't really want to take Kenny Young out of that and make him the every down Mike linebacker because I think it will make that weak side linebacker position weaker in general. So I'd prefer if they did it. Now, it's possible they could move Bam Bradley in to be the weak side linebacker and play along with Owasu, who plays more second and long uh, situations or maybe third and short where you're, you're, you might be rushing the pass or you might not. And then you have uh, Levine come in for the obvious passing situations. But that's my real concern. So I'm I'm eager, if the Ravens can do it, to get Zach Brown as, a, as the inside linebacker. He doesn't count against the comp formula. He won't be all that expensive. Uh, and they could bring him in and, and uh, be a guy for maybe two years while they develop their next inside linebacker. All right, so I'll go outside linebacker. Um, I definitely think it's something that they'll address. Uh, I could see it happen in a couple of different ways. The first thing that comes to mind, this is a name that's out there. People have heard it, Justin Houston. Um, I don't know if they can make it work contractually, but you could kind of maybe think back to the Elvis Dumerville signing. Obviously, that went down in kind of a funky way with the fax machine and all of that. <laughs> but you think about a veteran pass rusher who could come in, still got some gas left in the tank, uh, could still give you something for maybe a year or two. So, you know, from a from a veteran free agent perspective, there there's and there's other uh, free agent pass rushers out there that maybe don't have the same you know pedigree and name that Houston has. But that's uh, you know one avenue, and then the draft. I mean, I think that's something we've seen the Ravens do almost every year, uh, you know, in terms of taking an outside linebacker or maybe a, a player who played DN in college, but has the ability to maybe stand up and mm -hmm. and play, you know, from a two point stance, maybe drop into coverage a little bit. I mean, Judon comes to mind, Zedarius Terrell Smith Suggs. Comes to mind, <laughs> Terrell Suggs, obviously, uh, all, all guys who really play primarily with their hand in the dirt uh, in college, but then were able to kind of expand and a little bit when they got to the NFL. And this is. Uh, by all accounts, an extremely, extremely defensive heavy draft uh, in terms of the players that are available. Defensive line, edge rusher, which I love that category now. We don't separate. Uh, uh, it, we don't kind of lump everybody all together in the defensive line. We sort of have defensive line and edge rusher now. I think it's really a cool thing. 
uh, in terms of how people make that distinction. So a lot of depth there. Uh, definitely would not be shocked to see them maybe do both. Maybe pick up a pass rusher in free agency and, and take a guy uh, in the draft. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that's an area that they will address. And then um, I'll just throw these out and maybe, you know, Ken, if you want to talk on uh, talk about them, because I know Josh mentioned broaden it out. Um, wide receiver obviously comes to mind. Um interior offensive line for some people. I actually think that's a pretty interesting one because I think I mentioned last show I'm probably a little higher on Skura than a lot of people. But left guard uh, is, is, you know, could fall into that interior offensive line category. So I'll throw those two out, uh, wide receiver and interior O-line. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to get a better, pure mauler who's uh, can also pass protect, which that guy is obviously hard to find. But if they get Cody Ford at 22, I think he'd be difficult to pass up. Depending on what else is on the board, I think he'd be an outstanding selection there. Um, I think that uh, you know there there are other offensive linemen. Certainly, they could pick up a little bit later in the draft. I, my concern is I don't want the Ravens to stack up six or seven interior offensive linemen that they have a hard time distinguishing who they have. So right now they've got they've got Hurst and they've got Illuminor and they've got uh, Bozeman and they've got Skura and Yanda could be gone, which is really concerning me. And I don't want them to have five guys or even six guys where they just they're 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 all at, at similar developmental one, two, three year stages. And they're not sure, you know, if any of them are enough above average to really uh, provide value for them. You know, Alex Lewis would also be in this category if he's still with the Ravens when when camp breaks. But uh, you know, it's a, it's a they, they're going to have to make some difficult decisions to thin the current crop of offensive linemen they have. So if they draft an interior offensive lineman, I kind of want it to be a, you know a first second round guy that there's no question about whether or not they want to take the chance on developing him. Gotcha. And what and and wide receiver? I'll just throw out some names real quick. Um, because, again, they've got a couple different avenues. Uh, within free agency, you got to have two camps. Uh, you've got the more veteran guys. So you've got your Jordy Nelson, your Demarius Thomas, your Randall Cobb, your Pierre Garçon. <laughs> you know, you got all these kind of plus 30 guys. I think Cobb's maybe 28. Okay, give me um, a so hard pass quite... on every one of those. I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> okay. I'm just going to say that right now. All five of those names. Okay, so that's that's. that's sort of, you know, more uh, seasoned vet crop. And then the guys that I actually like, I kind of threw these two names out today because out today, they're not they're not household names, but solid guys, uh, Dontrell Inman or Rashard Matthews. Um, mm-hmm. Solid guys, good blockers, solid route runners, solid hands, you know, not, not going to light the world on fire in terms of reputation, but I think just solid rotational guys that you could add to your, your wide receiving core and, and, you know, continue to build kind of around that. And in the draft, obviously there's a lot of interesting guys in the draft. I love Paris Campbell. I'll just throw out one name, not just because he ran four, three, one in the 40 yard dash, but I look at how they maybe want to construct this offense. He's that hybrid guy that you could use, right? Not necessarily just a pure wide receiver. He's your jet sweep guy. He's your quick screen guy. He's your reverse guy, right? Uh, obviously, he can run some some routes down the field. But if you look at how they used him at Ohio State, they have a, a, a position role there. They call the H-back role. It's the same role that Percy Harvin played for Urban Meyer mm-hmm. when he was at Florida. So think about Percy Harvin in his heyday, running the ball, quick screens, the occasional downfield pass. Um, I think Paris Campbell 
kind of fits in that same mold. He's not the same kind of powerful runner that Percy Harvin was, but just in terms of speed, elusiveness, get the ball to him in open field and let him see what he can do. Uh, I could see him being that guy, not necessarily at 22. I think that might be a little bit of a reach, but if you could fall back a little later and get him, uh, he's a guy that I really like. You know, we haven't talked about this, but one of the, one of the rules in the NFL that actually could uh, be a significant constraint to a Roman led offense is the fact you can only have one guy in motion. You want that you want to do a jet sweep. You 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 almost want to play a wildcat offense with what you have with Lamar, but you can't because you need the tight end in motion the way they run this run game to to make a key block uh, schematically in the middle of that line somewhere. So I, it just it seems to me that I would love to have a jet sweep guy, but to to have a jet sweep guy and have it be real effective, you got to be faking that on a fairly decent percentage of play. And then oh boy, I don't know how you're an offensive coordinator and you face this team when you have that many options of you could be going outside either direction with a very fast, dangerous runner, Lamar or the jet sweep guy, or you can be running up the gut and you know, you're undermanned all of a sudden and you're, you're out blocked in, in the middle. It, it's, it's an exciting prospect. Yeah, we've seen it a little bit last year. It's almost like going back in time. It's like wing T football, you know, mm-hmm. almost in that way. You've got all this misdirection, one guy going here, one guy going there, one guy going up the middle. Uh, and some of those plays, believe it or not, I really think are like wing T derivatives. I think they are plays that goes back to like the 30s and the 40s. Like they're really, you know, that the core foundation of them really go back. Um, and you heard the coaches talk about that, about taking the offense back to the 40s and the 50s. And I don't think they were joking. I think they, mm-hmm. they were being more literal about that than people realize. <laughs> Well, it'll be exciting. I mean, you know, what what happened last year in terms of the ability to get the defense off the field for for more snaps and the ability to have that rest of defense playing so well, it was about 75 percent completed last year. I mean, they, they led the league in yards allowed, which which I would kind of expect given who they were and 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 what they did. They didn't quite lead the league in points allowed. And the category where they fell really short of who the Ravens are is in generating turnovers. And I don't see any reason why that can't come back this year with the talent they have in the secondary. The the, the fear obviously is the pass rush is not going to be there. But if they can if they can continue to have a, a ball control offense, then they, you got a better chance to manufacture pass rush with a bunch of rested players. And you know then all of a sudden Willie Henry becomes a much more of a force, say from the inside, that he would otherwise be if you're relying on him to play 50% of a higher number of snaps, say. So I, I really like what this offense can do for the defense again, and uh, and hopefully it means more turnovers this year. All right. Well, that's uh, something to be excited about and more more stuff to watch to see. It's been uh, a crazy offseason or free agent period already with the number of trades and big names that have been signed this week. So it'll be exciting to see if the Ravens do anything else and what they do leading up to free agency. Um. Let's get let's take care of the plugs. Ken, I know you mentioned that you have a article that you're working on that'll be out tomorrow on Russell Street yeah. Report. Yeah, just looking at Earl Thomas, same kind of review I did on Tony Jefferson when he came here in 2017. Uh, be very similar, kind of tried to follow the same format so you can compare the two. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Film Study Ravens and uh, love the conversation all day. I, I know Michael does as well, and uh, we have some good back and forth regularly. Michael, how about you? Yeah, I'd say the best thing to do right now is just to follow me on Twitter at Abukari. That's A-B-U-K-A-R-I. Still trying to get myself back in gear to get out of the ease of the tweet uh, tweet universe, the tweet lifestyle. I'm living the tweet life. Uh, I don't want to actually write full length <laughs> articles, so I'm trying to get myself out of that. But uh, 
uh, I've maybe got some more content now in terms of signings and things to maybe really dig into and write about. Um, something I'm thinking about, we'll see. I'll, I'll bounce this off some people off uh, on Twitter to see if anybody's interested in this. Is um, It's kind of like real football nerdy, but looking at how the Ravens defensive personnel has changed over the years in terms of size. I just watched his coaching clinic mm. from uh, Kirby Smart recently, University of Georgia head coach, and he compared that. He went back to his days of the defensive coordinator at Alabama and literally had the height and uh, um, weight of the players back then to the height and weights of the players with Georgia and why he had to change and why they had to get smaller, lighter guys to adapt to more of the spread offenses and tempo offenses that they're seeing so thought that was kind of a cool concept and uh you probably don't see as big of a change in the nfl because college obviously is dominated by spread offenses and up tempo but could be something to look at so um you know we'll see if any if there's enough interest out there to maybe like really turn that into something or not it's a it's a fascinating idea for a study michael i mean it's just the kind of thing that you know if you're talking about changes from say the 2000 Ravens to now, it's actually a lot of years in terms of average weight gain on the offensive line in terms of changes, for example, and then how you have to count that on the defensive line and, and, and size. But it sounds like a fascinating project. Yeah, we'll see if I can. You got one be... reader. <laughs> well, okay. I, well, I don't 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 give me too much credit. I, I'm I'm super lazy. I got right. I got to get out of this. <laughs> you you got to make that article a little bit longer than a tweet. <laughs> so. I work on it. Work Josh, on it. tell us how, how they can see your stuff. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Josh Soroka and check out Section 336 and so you can get on board with the Orioles. Now's the time. They're not going to be good. They're going to be bad, but it's a bunch of young guys, and now's the time to get on board. So when they're good in three, four, five years, you were there at the beginning and you know all these guys. So hop on now. Go on over to Section 336 to learn all about the Orioles. Okay, now I understand also there are some technical changes coming to this show and probably to 336 as well. You want to talk about those, Josh? I mean, I, I can Sure, I can share. Uh, 336, we've been playing with video for at least a year, and we've really fine-tuned it in the past couple weeks and uh, really focusing on the video presentation. And the advantage of when things get better on 336 is I then get to funnel them into film study. So we're going to be doing some of the same stuff. Um, probably not until maybe preseason, maybe this summer is when we'll start rolling it out with film study where we're going to be able to do video, but also that's going to open up the ability for us to kind of show stuff as you guys are explaining things. So as yeah, so it makes it way more sense if you break down film with a little bit of pictures as well to go with it. So we, we, we have a, a mix here of Michael is a huge uh, GIF guy and, uh, you know, explains plays and what's happening from film. I'm a modeler more who, who really breaks it down in terms of tabular data often to say how often, how much, you know, when, and, and the ability to show either of those things would be something we'd hope to have. And I, I'm, I'm real excited about that, Josh. You just showed it to me tonight and I, I, I can't think, stop thinking already about applications. Yeah. I, I, I just started working on it this evening, so it's coming. It's just not going to be here. Uh, who knows? Who knows? It might be here one time for the draft, but I don't know. So I'll do my best. I think it's the perfect compliment, Ken. I'm a trait-based guy. You're not a trait-based guy. <laughs> Couldn't get any better. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Well, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll talk again once the Ravens decide to uh, throw some excitement this way again.
Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.